Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due. Welcome into another episode of We're Talking Tonight. Craig Melanson with Dave Amato. Dave, I happen to have a little Elijah Craig full barrel proof and a little bit 1792 full proof that I've been sampling each one of those to see which one I like better, but I can't decide. So I'm going to let, I'm going to turn this over to you. What are you drinking tonight? Well, first of all, how are you doing and what are you drinking? I, I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing excellent. Um, no, uh, it's been a crazy week. I was out of town uh, for work. I was in uh, Indianapolis all week. And I just got back late last night. Um, so uh, tonight I am drinking a something I just picked up and I've never had it before. It's a, it's a Vita Brewing. It's a pecan ale uh, made with real Louisiana pecan nuts. So um, it is, it's pretty good. I was a little concerned when I first bought it because I didn't know what it would taste like. But it's very good. You know, I've seen that often, and I love pecan. I love pecan pie. I love my used to love my mom's pecan pie, my mom's uh, pecan squares. So that is something I am going to have to check out because I yeah. think that might be something I'd be interested in. You, you should. It, I do have an IPA, like always, on deck yep. for you. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, you have to but, go there. But um, but yeah, I did go with the pecan also because I saw it today in the store, and I said I'd. I walked by it about 10 times and kept saying, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. So this morning I uh, was doing a little grocery shopping and I picked it up and uh, it's very, very good. So I highly recommend it. Okay. Well, uh, sooner or later, uh, uh, I'll be able to start paying you more and, and we'll be able to get you <laughs> some real beer instead of that IPA crap. That's right. There you go. <laughs> no, but seriously. All right. You got, I got to know, did you go to St. Elmo's when you were in Indianapolis? So we did not. I wanted oh. to. Um, I wanted to badly, and uh, we had a couple of nights um, that we had some opportunities to go out. We actually, um, we were staying at the Hilton downtown, and we ate at McCormick and Schmick's, which I had been not yep. to that location before, right. but I had eaten there before. That was just convenient because it was in the hotel. And then um, the other night, we took a customer out, and uh, uh, the gentleman who was with me really wanted to go to Fugo de Chao, which is a Brazilian yeah. steakhouse. Yep, been and, there. Uh, yeah, and Fugo de Chao is uh, I, I, you. It's it's an awesome place to eat. One of my favorite places to eat. Unfortunately, um, you spend a lot of money. You spend a lot of time at a place like that because yep. the food just keeps coming. And then if you don't get out of there until after 10 o'clock at night. Somewhere around two o'clock in the morning, you start waking up and realizing how much meat you have actually consumed. And uh, I've never been in a restaurant when I was hoping they would bring me chicken because <laughs> I was sick of eating red meat. <laughs> no, but it, <laughs> but it was uh, it was really good. We passed St. Elmo's. I saw it. I made a couple of comments that we needed to go there, and we never did. So I'm very disappointed. But the good news is this is a convention that I will be attending every year. And uh, I plan on going back and I will go to St. Elmo's and I will get the shrimp cocktail. I was going to tell everybody, uh, for those that don't know, the shrimp cocktail at St. Elmo's, 
uh, fresh ground uh, horseradish daily in their cocktail sauce. It is the best shrimp cocktail that you will have in your life. Trust me on that one. So yeah, I, I will take you up on that. This, uh, this is actually an event that happens twice a year for a customer of ours. And uh, I know we will be attending uh, at least once a year. But if we go twice a year, I will make sure that I go back to St. Elmo's and, and eat there on well, your you recommendation. If you give me a little heads up, that's something I don't mind traveling to Indianapolis to see some friends and we can go, go to dinner together. So absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's talk some football here. I mean, we've got everything going on. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest mystery, I will say a little bit, I, I shouldn't say mystery at all. Uh, does App State after a an old rivalry game, I guess, but having a 10-day layoff and at Georgia State having a total meltdown at the end of the Auburn game, in my opinion, I think they got robbed a little bit too, so I don't want to go there. Yep. But what, what are you seeing there with App State and Georgia State? So, yeah, I, I you know, look, I, I know we're not going to spend too much time on last week. I, I, it's one of the best college football games I ever saw was last week on Thursday night watching uh, App State and Marshall play. Uh, that was a fantastic football game um, and two really good programs. They come back and look, they play Georgia State, which shocked the heck out of me that they even hung. They, look, they, they for three and a half quarters of that football game, they were the better team on the football field, which is amazing to me. Um, I don't know if that was an aberration or if this is what Georgia State was supposed to be. Um, I, I think App's got too much firepower. I, I, I don't know. And look, I, this has been a weird year all the way around, and we're going to get into a game later on, probably the next one we talk about, um, with two teams that, that one of them surprised the hell out of me. But this has been a weird year. The games that I think are going to be blowouts like the Auburn Georgia state game have been crazy games. And then there's been some other games that, you know, that I thought were going to be uh, a lot closer and ended up being routes. So I don't know how to pick it, but I think, I think the firepower of app, um, I, I, you know, I know this game is at Georgia state and I'm looking at it and, and they're showing that tickets are as low as $7 at Georgia state right now. Um, so I, I, I don't know. There's nobody going to be in the stands for this game except for App fans who make the trip. I, I just think App wins that game pretty handily. They're, I've, the little bit I've watched of them this season, they are a quality football team, and I just don't see anybody. I don't see Georgia State having the weapons to even keep this game close. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't either in all honesty, you know, but uh... – you know, I was just curious of your thoughts at Georgia State changing their quarterback. And like you said, I think you got I think you got five thousand people in the stands and you got and you got three thousand App State fans and two thousand Georgia State fans. Yeah. If you account, if you count the, uh, the 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 hot dog vendors and everybody else at security. I completely agree with you. And look, before the season started, I was telling you that I thought Claude Brown was one of the top top half of the Sunbelt Conference quarterbacks and this guy hadn't made it through four games and he's already been benched and and they've seemed to be playing better with their backup quarterback so you know maybe they give them a little bit of a, a challenge early I just think App State's they're too they're too good on offense and they're too good on defense I, I just don't think Georgia State has the weapons but again they surprised me by the fact that they they should have beaten Auburn <laughs> so 
So who knows? Yeah. All right, let's move on. Uh, I think this is a little bit, and and I know we're not talking about last week, but feel free to bring up anything like that. I'm not I'm not opposed to all that. But ULM at Coastal. So yeah. is, is is the ULM game at, uh, versus Troy is that an anomaly? And I, I think Coastal is too much firepower, but well, Coastal wins the game. Coastal's a better football team. There's no question. I was talking after the first week I had watched ULM play. Uh, and then the second week after watching them play and barely beat Jackson state, that this was a really bad football team. And I didn't see any chance that they won another game. And then they go out and beat Troy. And, and now I'm sitting back saying, well, I, I don't, I don't know what to read into ULM. Maybe they're better than, obviously they're better than I expected. I still don't think they're a very good football team. I think Coastal is a very good football team. And this game is in, in Conway, South Carolina. So I think Coastal wins it going away. They're a 34 and a half point favorite. Um, I, I just don't see how ULM keeps up with them. ULM's got some, some issues. They've gone to their backup quarterback because Rhett Rodriguez, the son of Rich Rodriguez is, was in the uh, hospital all week with uh, some lung issues from being hit so many times in, in the Troy game. I, I just think ULM just can't hang with Coastal. I think Coastal is the better team, and they win that game going away at some point. Well, uh, the, the question I have for you then is, is the 34 points or so, if that's the spread, is that too much? I guess it depends on what ULM team shows up. If the team that showed up that played Troy like they did last week shows up, I think ULM might be able to keep it close. Um, look, Coastal has not been challenged as far as their schedule goes, except for Buffalo. They have not really played a very good football team, and they still don't going to play a very good one in ULM. Right. But we haven't seen we don't know what coastal is. And I think that's the biggest problem I have is because they haven't played anybody that has any real, you know, uh, really good football team yet. Um, I, boy, 34 and a half is a lot of points. I, I would almost, and I, I would never say this about this ULM team before the season started, but I would almost take ULM and the points in this game. Well, that's what I'm kind of curious about. I think 34 is a lot of points anyway, anyway, but, Hey, it is what it is. So let's move on. Uh, in, in a game that I really thought at the beginning of the season, if you looked at it on the schedule, uh, Troy at South Carolina, you're thinking to yourself, hey, Troy's got a great opportunity here to knock off an SEC team, but then they go and shit the bed against ULM. So which Troy team shows up? Yeah, I don't know. Troy Troy had some people excited, the you know, beating – and, again, Southern Miss isn't a very good football team, but beating Southern Miss and looking like they had some things going, and then they turn around and, and lay an egg against ULM. Uh, South Carolina's got their own issues. They, they started a graduate assistant at quarterback who had a year left of eligibility in the first couple of games, and now they're playing a different quarterback. They don't know where they are. I mean – Hey, think about this. Troy lost to a team who hasn't won since 2019 last week, and they're six and a half point underdogs to South Carolina, an SEC football team. Right? Yeah. So, in no way, shape, or form would I have expected 
after you lose to ULM that you turn around and play an SEC team, and I don't care who the SEC team is, that you're a a six-and-a-half-point dog to them. Um, I have a feeling that South Carolina is going to come out and and just just put an ass-whooping on Troy. I really do. I think this is – I think they step up this week and say, I don't know how good South Carolina is. I, 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 I'm starting to believe that Troy's not a great, you know, a, a top tier, a top half of the Sunbelt Conference uh, school. And I think South Carolina takes it to them. And, and look, if, I, if I'm betting on a game this week, I, I would tell you I would take South Carolina in the six and a half on this one. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking just the opposite, but I guess we'll figure out there. Uh, the only thing is, that I, I just think that uh, is it Chip Lindsay at, at at Troy right now? Yes. Uh, yeah. I really thought that. I really, you know, one of the things was, I thought after their performance at ULM, I thought he would have been fired. He kept his job. So does, does the team come out motivated? Uh, I I don't know. I, I, it's possible. There's a lot of things going on there. We'll see. It, it's. I just, I just think South Carolina wins that game. I, for some reason, and look, it's two, two and two teams that have haven't really shown anything. Yeah. But, but I just think six and a half. I think South Carolina is going to win. They may not win by a lot more than that, but I think they they win by more than six and a half. All right. Arkansas State, Georgia Southern. There, there, there's a team that, uh, you know, our friend Kevin Foot here in the in the Acadiana area likes to say that, and and everybody that's Everybody that's listening is probably saying, all right, Craig, you've said this for the last six interviews, but if you want to win a game, fire your coach, fire your manager, you're going to win for a while. Does Georgia Southern come out inspired? Does Arkansas State find defense? What's going to happen there? So so that's this is a really, really interesting game. Uh, probably with the exception of the UL South Alabama game, probably a game of the week in the Sun Belt, right? It's yeah. it's probably the closest, uh, you know, where we probably see the most exciting game. And we're talking about two one-and-three football teams. Yeah. Um, Arkansas State, who has zero defense um, and has showed that they are struggling mightily but can score usually with most teams that they play. And then Georgia Southern, who – I. Look, we saw a, an inspired football game against the Cajuns. They played well. They looked like they were overmatched on defense. They didn't have enough to stop the Cajuns when they needed to. But they're offensively a pretty good football team, right? I mean, we were – I think we were all impressed. Justin Tomlin's a, 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 a – I think Justin Tomlin is a better passer than Shy Wirtz ever hoped to be. So they've got a little bit more of a weapon there with uh, with – Justin Tomlin and they can obviously run the ball because that's what they want to do I and look I, I don't know what to expect out of a new coach I, I am not shocked that Chad Lunsford got fired this season obviously other things led to his firing besides losing the UL this weekend he had other issues there um, I think this team does come out a little inspired I wouldn't be shocked if Georgia Southern wins that game you know, they're at home. I think their fan – look, their fan base is always pretty good. Fan base might be a little fired up to see a new coach out there. I think they were getting a little frustrated with uh, Chad Lunsford. Maybe they 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 come out and support these guys. And I, 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 I'm leaning towards believing Georgia Southern wins that game. I think it'll be a close one, but Georgia Southern may pull that win out. 
I, I just don't I don't see Arkansas State stopping anybody, and I think Georgia Southern's offense is 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 there. Yeah, no, I, look, I was impressed watching that football game. They they they've got some talent on the offensive side of the ball. The question's going to be the other side. This might be a game that ends up in the fifties. It could be fifty something to fifty something because yeah. we know Arkansas State can't stop anybody. And Georgia Southern looks outmanned on defense. I mean, they just look like they've got some big holes on defense. And the Cajuns missed opportunities to really, really step on their throat, I think, in that football game. I totally agree with you there. And I think the injury bug has definitely uh, hit Georgia Southern bad. And we're going to talk about the injury bug here in a little bit with the Cajuns. But uh, let's go ahead and take our break right now. You're listening to We're Talking with Craig Melanson and Dave Amato. We just did our Sunbelt, uh, not recap, actually a preview for this past weekend, uh, this coming weekend. Lots going on. So, uh, and you probably heard too much about uh, uh, St. Elmo's and everything else about Indianapolis. But, hey, it is what it is. We like to drink, have fun, and be stupid. So, you've got the stupid part right now. Craig Melanson and Dave Amato will be back right after this short message. Welcome back to We're Talking. Craig Melanson, Dave Amato tonight. Dave, let's start where everybody's wondering. Let's start on the Cajuns offense. Let's start the de- on the offensive line, as a matter of fact. Yeah. I mean, uh, we, we just heard that, uh, uh, you know, we got one of our guys, a couple of them out for the season. So talk yeah, to me here. I think, look, I think the biggest loss is, and we saw it a little bit in the, in the Ohio game, and early in the Georgia Southern game, Carlos Rubio is a huge loss. I mean, it, he, it, I know they're really high on A.J. Dillon and, and uh, Gilly, and I know they like the way he's playing. He's a young freshman. But what happens there, to put Gilly in the lineup, everybody has to move to a different position, and it's except for Shane Vallow, who plays center. Everybody else is playing a little bit out of position. And it causes a lot of headaches there. And I think that's a, that, you know, that's a problem. Um, and, and I think we saw it, it was, it's so disappointing with, with Rubio too, because he had missed the first two games. He finally comes back and he's healthy. He plays the Ohio game and we show, and again, Ohio is not a very good football team, but we show what we're capable of, of on offense. And then, Early in the Georgia Southern game, he's out again. And and you just look at it and say, I feel for the kid because you really wish he was in there. Uh, one, because he's a he's a solid offensive lineman. But two, because he had just worked himself back into the lineup and and he played a game and a what a game and a half, maybe a game and a quarter. And he's out again. And it's just it's so disappointing for a guy like that. And we. Like I said, I, it, we're still a pretty good offensive football team, but you can see that it, it's and I and I don't want to I don't want to jump to the defense, but it's the same thing when we lost Farad Gardner, right? You can see how important one player can be to a, especially a unit, right? The offensive line is a unit. You can lose a receiver and figure something out. You can lose a running back move. You those offensive linemen work as a unit, as a group together. And, and, and like I said, when you start switching people from side to side, it becomes a little bit of a hassle. And then we, we lost Jax Harrington too, I guess, um, for an extended period of time. And while he wasn't playing a ton, he was a quality backup. You lose some depth there and it causes more issues. So 
we've got a we you know we've got some juggling to do on the offensive line. Well, I think two things that are the positive uh, of of uh, Rubio's uh, injury. One, we probably knew it at the beginning of the week, and yeah. we could prepare for it. So it's not one of those things that he gets hurt in the middle of the game. So the guys get to practice together. The other side of it, if, if he's truly out for the year, we're only four games into the season. He gets a free year back if right. he hasn't re- if he hasn't redshirted. I mean, I I don't know that so. Yeah, and I don't know either. I'd have to go back and look. I know he's he's been with the program a while. I know he's had some injuries, and I'd have to look back and see what what exactly his uh, status is as far as redshirting and everything. But yeah, I mean, look, maybe he gets a medical redshirt. Maybe he comes back. I, I would love to see him back. We can see how good of a team we are when he is in there, um, and I think that's. And it's a big piece of it, too, as a kid who really, I think, wanted to play. And you see him go down and you just I, as soon as he went down, you knew it was bad and yeah. you just felt for him. And look, we had just lost Shane Vallow right before that. Now, thank goodness Shane Vallow was fine and he came back in the game and he finished the game and we didn't we didn't miss anything. But look, when you start losing offensive linemen, that's a big piece of your team, right? You know. Those are guys who you can't afford to lose, especially when you're trying to be who we are, which although we haven't proven it yet, we want to run the ball. We want to run the ball at people. And when you're juggling offensive linemen, it's a problem. It's a serious problem. Well, let, let's talk about that. You, you went to the running backs. Perfect segue, because that's where I wanted to go next. Uh, the running backs, uh, you know, when, when Chris Lana was here, you and I and Chris, we were talking, and I really wanted to say that I think Amadi Bailey is going to have a, a breakout game, and he didn't. He had a couple, couple good runs. Uh, this was uh, – sorry, I got the hiccups here. That's okay. This was the week before against uh, Ohio, and I text Chris during the, uh, the game and said, hey, Oh, excuse me. Let me pause this for a second here because – sorry about that. So um, I text Chris during the game. I said, I really wanted to say Imani Bailey was going to have a big game after that after his run. He goes, yeah, sure you did. Well, <laughs> we saw what he could do. Now, the ball hit off of Levi, and he picked it up, and he had the 35-yard run. I really think that if Imani Bailey gets rolling, I think um, – uh, Johnson mm-hmm. uh, is going to, I mean, I think it's just going to, I think it's going to snowball in that effect. And I really think this is an opportunity for both of them to start rolling because South Alabama is not there yet. In my opinion. Yeah. I look, I, I think, look, I think we have three very, well, we probably have more than that. We, cause I really put uh, a couple of the other running backs in that group, but I think we have three very good running backs. I think the problem is, and I said this earlier in one of the breakdowns, they're really young. All of them are, including Chris Smith, who's been with the program the longest. But they all bring something different to the table. I do believe Imani Bailey is the guy who's probably going to end. Although Montreal Johnson has shown that he can do things too. Yeah. I think Imani Bailey is probably the most rounded back of the group. I I, I would love, and, and, and I don't know how this is all breaking down. I know Chris Smith is listed as the starter. I would love to see Chris Smith more of that role that Raymond Calais had a few years ago where he's the guy who comes in and is a change of pace guy. We, we know Chris could break long runs 
in spurts. And I'd love to see him be that guy that comes in and, and just as a change of pace guy and let Bailey and even Montreal be the guys who are more of the pounding bruiser backs, because I think they, they have that ability more than Chris does. Chris can just come in there and change the game. But I'll tell you what I like about all of them that they've shown in flashes is they're all capable of catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. Um, and, and I love that because we know with our offense, we run a lot of things where we get Levi out on the edge and Levi looks to throw the ball. And if he's got, he did it a lot with Trey Regis last year where Trey would be out in the flat and catch an open pass. Yeah. I, I think back to the Georgia uh, Southern game last year on that last drive that led to the, the, the field goal uh, from Nate Snyder two of those plays were little short passes to Trey Regis that he ran for like 20 yards. Um, I think if we can find the guy, whether it's Bailey or Smith or even uh, Montrell, if we can find the guy who's going to be that guy that can catch it out of the backfield and be kind of the, the, the more every down back and then throw Chris Smith in for the uh, change of pace. That's what I'd love to see, to be honest with you. Well, I love the fact I saw a couple of times, both with Montrell Johnson and uh, Monty Bailey, being able to pick up the blitz or being able to pick up not necessarily a blitz per se, but that extra uh, defender coming in during the game, which I was very excited about. And I like the fact that if they can bounce, if they can, if they can take that pop and, and stop that, that guy long enough to where they can drop out in the flats or somewhere and that little dump off pass, if if it's, uh, if it's available, I like the fact that both, both of them, all three of them can do that. To me, I agree with you. It, it, with Chris Smith, but when you get to the fact of, I remember the last two years with uh, Elijah Mitchell, Trey Regis, and Raymond Kale, it was this one starting or this one or this one. Right. It didn't matter. I don't care who they lift on the list on the depth chart is number one, number two, number three. Fact is, all three of them are going to play, and that's what we need. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I, I'd love to see that, and I think that's what we need to get to, and I agree with you. I, I like I think all of them are talented. They're just so young. I mean, we're just we're just figuring out who they are. And you 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 know we said this earlier on one of the podcasts. You're talking you're not talking about replacing a couple of average running backs. You're talking about three NFL caliber guys. They're all you know whether they're out because of injury or whatever or on a practice squad. They're NFL caliber running backs, and we lost those three guys in two years and. It, that's it. That's huge. That's just, that's, you know, it's hard to replace those guys with a couple of freshmen and a sophomore. It is, but more importantly, I think, and to your point, exactly to your point, in my opinion, is that if you look back two years ago, we had two guys that are starting in the NFL right now that are from oh, the offensive cool. line. And we haven't had that opportunity. We've had some guys there and with Rubio and, and, and the guys that are doing this, uh, uh, but it, it's, it's not the same, and and, and I, I don't think – I'm not saying we're not going to find another Robert Hunt. We're not going to find another Kevin Dotson. But to, to the fact that, that those guys are starting in the NFL right now says a lot about our program, in my opinion. No, I, I agree with you. And I think – look, I think you got two guys on that offensive line who have that cap- – maybe not that good, but have the capability of playing. Max Mitchell and Osiris Torrance exactly. are, probably, are probably two of the best um, that we'll see. 
that aren't named Robert Hunt and Kevin Dotson, right? I mean, those guys are starting in the NFL, and I don't know if Max Mitchell and Osiris Torrance will start in the NFL. I think both of them will get a shot in the NFL. Uh, I, I totally agree with you there, and they may not uh, – I think they've got an opportunity to make a team. They may they may not start their first right. or second year, but I think they can – there are two guys. The problem I see with it is if, if we get too many injuries and they have to move to too many different positions. That's a problem. But at the same time, that's going to help them in the NFL. Yes. So, but, all right, so we've talked about the running backs. we talked about the offensive line. Let's go to the receivers. Are you seeing guys starting to step up now? Are you uh, seeing I, Levi finding a favorite receiver or anything like that? I am. I am. Um, and I said this early in the season, and I, and I think it's starting to come true. Um, I think he's feeling really comfortable with Michael Jefferson as his deep threat guy. Right. And I, 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 I said it early in the year, I thought Michael Jefferson was going to be the shocker that no one really knew about when the season started. He doesn't have a lot of catches, but almost every catch he makes is because he's throwing, he's getting a deep ball from Levi. I think Levi's really feeling comfortable with him on the deep pass. I still believe the most complete receiver we have, and we're not even utilizing him to, to his full extent, is Kyron Lacey. Um, I think Kyron Lacey has the chance to be a guy who can do it all. He's got the moves. He's got the speed. He can go over the middle and make catches. I love this receiving core. When, when you, when you list the depth chart and a guy who came in was which as John Stevens jr. Did with all the hype that he was going to be a starter. And you looked on the depth chart today and he was listed third. Now it is, or him or Michael Jefferson. That means you're deep there. And then the guys who have stepped up and Errol Rogers, who's been out a couple of games that came back. Um, but Dante Fleming is starting to show flashes of what he really can be. And I, and I, I'm, I'm hoping he's like Michael Jefferson's one of my favorite. Cause I, I predicted he would yeah. be good and he's become good, but I, I have a huge hope and a huge love for Dante Fleming. And I'm going to tell you why it was one of the weirdest things in the world. I, I went to a game last year and I was sitting up in the upper deck and uh, I happened to be sitting next to Dontrell Fleming's um, grandparents. And they were two of the nicest people you will ever meet in your entire life. I sat there the whole game and he didn't have much of a game for about three and a half quarters. And then he made like two huge catches late in the game. And uh, I told him, I said, and it was so sweet and it was just so fun to hang around. I told him, I said, from now on, he's my favorite player on the football team. And I really hope. So he's starting to step up and Errol Rodge. I mean, we're so deep. Jalen Williams is, you know, I, I love the guy because he's, he's a senior citizen playing football. I, I, I always give him credit. He's been with the program so long and been doing this. He was in baseball and came back. Um, I, I, I just, I, I watch all how deep we are at receiver and I keep thinking Levi's got so many weapons. I just wish he, we would figure out how to utilize them all. But I, I think Kyron Lacey, and I know I went on a tangent there. Kyron Sorry. Lacey, probably his, he, he feels the most comfortable with him. I think as a deep threat, Michael Jefferson and John Stevens Jr. are becoming those guys. And then I think he feels, you know, he's still got some pretty good security blankets Although Peter's dropped a couple of passes this year in Peter LeBlanc and, uh, and even, and he hasn't made a catch, but I love the guy, Devin Pauly, who just, like I said, early in one of the podcasts, he just makes the 
catch that you go, oh, my God, I didn't think he was going to make that catch. Um, he only makes one a game, but he, he hasn't done much this year. But I'm ready for him to have a couple of breakout games, too. They keep trying to get him the ball. And I like Jacob Bernard, too. He's young. He's dropped a couple of passes in some key spots. But I think he's going to come on, too. It's just there's so many weapons on the, on the outside to hit for him to throw to. And, and look, we haven't seen Neil Johnson really he had a couple of good games and we didn't see him at all hardly in the game but Johnny big hand to Johnny Lumpkin for making a big catch in a big spot and 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 I've given Johnny Lumpkin a hard time because he's dropped a handful of passes in his career but he made a great catch and nobody's going to tackle that man when he's running downfield Um, I I love the tight end position and I I wish we would able to throw I, th- I thought that's when we were the most successful under HUD is when yep. we had when we, we when we utilized the Thailand tight end but I agree with you totally on Dante Fleming and Michael Jefferson and let me ask you this not in uh do, do you see us because I'm just looking at statistically here with Dante Fleming and Michael Jefferson you know you got a 46 yard uh long pass and a 48 yard pass and I know all of it wasn't 48 yards and but at the same time those were passes that were downfield and there wasn't a lot of a uh, run after the catch, I guess. No, so no. Are, are you seeing us spread the field more in your opinion? I, I, I am. I am. Um, look, I, I said this about Levi a long time ago and I, I still believe it's true today. When I think one of Levi's biggest weaknesses is obviously his height. When Levi has a clean pocket or is on the edge, he is a much better quarterback than when he's trying to throw over a, a you know a collapsing line right i'm not saying he, even when he has pressure on him even if it's not big pressure it's just the line is collapsing and you can see the defenders pushing our offensive line back he struggles and a lot of it's due to his height when he has a clean pocket he can make some beautiful throws and he showed it again by hitting Michael Jefferson. He's shown it when he's thrown some deep passes to John Stevens Jr. and 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 Dontra Fleming. He when he's got that clean pocket or we get him on the edge, that is where he is the most effective as a quarterback. And I know it's hard to always assume you're going to have a clean pocket, but man, if we can give him a little time, and, and I know he's got his detractors that are going to say things. He when he's got the time in an open pocket, man, he really makes some pretty throws. You know, the, the throw to Johnny Lumpkin was about as good as it could be. And Johnny was in stride when he caught it, ready to walk into the end zone. Um, the pass to the pass to uh, Michael Fleming, he could, I mean, my, Michael Jefferson, he couldn't have handed it to him any better than he threw it. So I tell you what, Dave, let's, uh, we've been talking a lot of Cajuns, uh, in which I think all of our fans here know about, but, uh, let's come back. We'll take a quick break and let's come back and let's talk about South Alabama on the offense and the defensive side. I, I, we don't, I don't think we need to talk about the Cajuns defense. Cause I think they've, they've done a pretty good job there. And I don't want to spend too much time on there because I really think we want to focus on, uh, South Alabama. I know you've got some thoughts on their quarterback and their receiving core there. Yeah. Uh, and I've got some thoughts on the running back and then we'll hit the defensive uh, side of there. So you're listening with, uh, to we're talking with Craig Melanso and Dave Amato. We'll be right back after this quick break. Thank you. 
Welcome back to We're Talking. Craig Malance on Dave Amato tonight. Dave, let's talk offense for South Alabama first, because I think that's what everybody's excited about on the South Alabama side. Got a transfer quarterback. Let's start there. Talk to me about him. Yeah, so Jake Bentley's an Alabama guy. He's actually from, uh, I believe, Opelika, uh, Alabama. Um, and he started his career at South Carolina, played three years there and played a lot. He played as a freshman at some point, but played a lot as a sophomore and a junior at uh, South Carolina and then decided to transfer to Utah. Um, uh, well, he got injured at South Carolina and didn't play one year. The next year he transferred out and went to Utah, played only five games. Utah only played five games last year. He played four of them. He was their main start quarterback. Uh, he's a talented guy. I mean, he's a really talented quarterback, and um, he's he's a he's a big, strong kid. Um, he has not put up huge numbers this year, um, as far as throwing the ball. And, and he's not a runner. I want to make this perfectly clear. Clear. He's a pocket passer. He is nothing like Justin Tomlin that we just saw. He is not going to pick the ball up and and, and hustle downfield. Uh, he would much rather hurl the ball down the field and, and he's good at it. Um, he's only got two touchdowns on the season, but he's, he's averaging about 228 yards a game. He's, he's a solid, solid quarterback in the Sunbelt conference. So again, he was a starter in the sec and in the PAC 12. So he's, he, he, he's a talented guy for the Sunbelt conference. Um, and he's showing it. I mean, he's, he's had some pretty good games. He's got a lot of good weapons to throw to as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know uh, talking to JT uh, Crabtree and J.D. Byers, both are excited about him being there, an Alabama boy coming home. Um, He's but, a grad transfer, so yeah. he is. this is his year to shine. And, they, you know, look, they got a pretty good backup behind him, Desmond Trotter. We saw a lot of him when we played him. Um, um, so there's some talent behind him if he would get hurt. But, but Bentley's their guy, and he's going to be their guy until he – you know, gets hurt. If he gets hurt, they'll have to go to Trotter, but they're, they're in, they have no quarterback controversy at South Alabama. Well, let's go to the strength of what, what seems to be the strength of their offense or receiving core. And I know you're kind of, you got a couple guys that you want to talk about. Yeah, no. Well, look, first of all, they lost a really good one last year in Kawan Baker, who is, I think, still on the Saints practice squad. But their main guy is Jalen Tolbert. And he is, to me, I will say this about South Alabama's wide receiving core. My personal opinion is they are not the deepest wide receiving core in the, in the conference. But I will tell you, the guys at the top of their receiving core are probably as good as anybody in the conference. Tolbert's probably the best receiver in the conference. I don't know if there's an argument that can be made for anybody besides him. And then they've got a couple other guys behind them. they got Colin Lacey, who I think they really like a lot. Um, he's a little guy. He's only 5'10", but he's kind of like a little, a little bug that catches everything he can. Uh, and then they've got another guy that's pretty good in Jalen Wayne. And, and, and Jalen Wayne and, and Jalen Tolbert are 6'2 and 6'3. So they're big guys, right? They're bigger receivers and they're a little harder to guard. Whereas Colin Lacey becomes the guy who kind of kind of catches things over the middle and takes them for longer yards. But, but none of those guys have got, gotten into the end zone this year. They've, they've, they make their catches. Um, 
I think if I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Tolbert, Tolbert has 14 catches. Colin Lacey has 14 catches and Wayne has 10. So they, those three guys have made a lot of receptions, but they have not gotten into the end zone. Just those three guys, they've got other guys who are getting into the end zone, but, but they're, they're not. So I don't know if that's, I, I, I always take it back to, uh, and I, totally off the subject, but I had Julio Jones on my uh, fantasy team many years ago and the guy would put up 150 yards receiving, but couldn't get in the end zone. And I ended up getting so frustrated with him, but, but look, Tolbert's going to have a breakout game. I'm just hoping it's not against the Cajuns um, because the, he's, he's so talented that he's going to get his catches. There's just no question about it. Well, here's where I think South Alabama struggles is on the, on, on the rushing the ball. Yep. So is this something that the Cajuns can take advantage of and stack the line and force them to pass? Or actually what I would say is go to nickel and dime maybe and force them to run. You know, what, yeah. what are you seeing there? Look, I, 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 I would be, I, I wouldn't be shocked if we, we go, look, we're going to try to do everything we can to make them run the ball. Cause they've struggled to do it. They've got, and, and, and I'm shocked that they're struggling to do it because they have got a really good running back in Kareem Walker from Mississippi State. They've got a couple other guys who they've run. They've got really a two-headed monster, but then they found a third guy who kind of put up some numbers in a game. So I, I, I think they're, they would like to run the ball better. They don't have a running back right now that's averaging more than four yards a carry. I think the, the, the best one they got is averaging about 3.9. The other guy's about 3.5. They're really not running the ball well at all. And if you and if you take away the uh, the game against Al, Alcorn State, it really drops even more. So even more, yeah. No, I I think I think they would like to run the ball, but they're struggling so much. So what? If and look, I'm Billy Napier's forgotten more football than I will ever know. Yeah. But but if the Cajuns uh, are smart, I think they they try to force, um, you know, try to force South Alabama to run the ball, which I think plays into our hands because I think our guys up front have been really look. I know I know South, uh, Georgia Southern put up some major yards rushing the ball against us. Uh, a lot of them were on a 176 yard carry, but except for Gerald Green last week they really didn't run the ball effectively. Like we shut down most of the running backs. Gerald Green had a great game. And again, 76 of his hundred and some odd yards were on one carry. But, but if we can, overall, we've played well up front. I think if we can force them to run the ball, I think we have an advantage there. And I think that's where we need to kind of, we don't want him. We don't want uh, Bentley just chunking the ball all over the field and trying to find Tolbert downfield because it can get messy when you're playing a team like that. Yeah. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball for South Alabama. What, where are going to be, what are going to be their strong points and where the Cajuns need to attack? What are we going to, you know? Yeah. Yeah. This team has been kind of a shock to me. They are very good defensively. And I'm telling you where they've been really good is defensively against the run. They teams are only averaging about 55 yards a, a game against them. They are, they are really, really shutting teams down, trying to run against them. Now, that being said, they have not played the best team that they've played so far is Bowling Green. And I don't know how good Bowling Green is. I, I, I you know, I, I, they beat Minnesota. They, they, they're two and two. I, I don't know what kind of team Bowling Green is. 
We know Southern Miss is not a very good football team, and they've got a long way to go to become good. And I think they will. You and I talked about Will Hall. Yep. We'll, we'll right the ship there. And Alcorn State I, is not a very good football team. So we don't really know how good this defense is. Um, they have a lot of talent on, on the defense. They play a little bit of a 3-3-5, so they've kind of got – they put six guys in the in the front, and they've got five guys in the back. But of those five guys, three of them are safeties that are kind of hybrid guys. Um, they are good. They're good against the run because those those of those three hybrid guys, the safeties that play a little bit of a linebacker and 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 safety position, they've got a couple of guys there that are really good. And they step up into the box and they force you to kind of do some crazy things. You know, we played a little bit of a three-three-five many years ago, and, and and it really confuses offenses because you don't you don't know the guy's lined up as a safety, but he's really a linebacker who kind of can play both. And they're they're just strong all over the so far based on the teams they played. They're strong all over the field on defense. Um, they've got a couple of disruptors in the front. Um, their best player is Wykevius Thompson, um, who's probably leading the team in tackles or second on the team in tackles. Uh, but they've got some other guys there, Janorius Johnson. They've got you and I talked about this. They got transfers from from FBS schools all over, peppered all over their lineup. Uh, and these are talented guys who have played a lot of football at bigger schools. So they're they're showing that they can do a lot of things. Um, they've got you know they've they, they've got some players on the backside that are really good. They've got one excellent defensive back um, in Yam Banks who is probably their best guy. Now he's a safety, but he's probably their best guy in the backfield. And they've got a, a, a senior transfer. Uh, and Devin Rockett, who's a really good player as well. So they've got talent all over the defense, and we're we're going to have to find some holes. They've, they've struggled more against the pass than they have against the run. And if we're going to be successful, we're going to have to be able to throw the ball effectively so that they have to stop trying to defend that, and then we can open up maybe some running lanes because – if we think we're going to go in there and just shove the ball down the throat, their throat, and we average 55 yards like they've been stopping teams, we're not going to be very successful. We're going to have to get some running yards from that, those guys. Well, let me use reverse, reverse, reverse psychology on you here. <laughs> um, you know, it's one of those it's one of those things that I thought the last two weeks we had a great opportunity looking at the uh, defenses of Ohio and Georgia Southern that our running backs would have breakout games against those two teams right there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you looked at Georgia Southern coming into the game, uh, you know, I really expected to have two backs over a hundred yards and, and, and between Levi and two other backs over 50 yards, that didn't happen. Georgia right. Southern was able to shut us down in, in that sense. But at the same time, now you're telling me that, you know, that we have to pass the ball. Is that something now that am I looking at this wrong saying, well, you know, hey, Craig, you've been wrong the last two weeks because you're an idiot. So let me use reverse verse psychology. Is this going to be an opportunity for us to run the ball? I know you're saying no, but at the same time, let me get in your head now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's very easy to get into my head. Um, I don't. It's getting know. out. I have the problem. Yeah, right. 
Um, I don't know. It's they're so they're so good up front and in the linebacker and like I said, those hybrid safety positions. It's look. I, I know Billy's going to want to try to run the ball, and he's he's got to he's got to be successful at it, at least somewhat successful at it. I just think the only way to do that is to have success in the passing game. I don't think if you walk into the game and you say, I'm just going to hand the ball off and try to beat these guys, that you're going to be successful. I think you've got to get them on their heels where you can start saying, okay, these safeties that are cheating up to play or the hybrid position that's cheating up to play uh, against the run. If we can start getting them on their heels a little because we're having some success throwing the ball, I think it'll allow us to then go, okay, they're back a little bit deeper. They're playing our receivers because they know we're going to try to throw the ball. And now let's go ahead and, and force the ball down their throats and start getting some of this running game going and, and, and use our big offensive line to do that. I think that's, in my opinion, again, my opinion's not worth shit yeah. because. No, but, <laughs> but don't you think, though, that we started out uh, the Texas game, and I think we've started out every game uh, trying to establish that passing game, in my opinion, Yep. So uh, I don't see anything different here. I think that's going to be the, the Cajun's MO moving forward is establishing the, 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 the passing game to get the running game going, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, and I think that's the – look, it's probably the best – it's probably our best uh, option right now um, with the young running backs and with the talented crew uh, that we've got at receivers. So, yeah, I think it it doesn't hurt us at all to make those – look, hey, let's, let's, throw, let's try to – we – we think we're good at slinging the ball around the field. Let's go ahead and try to do that. And hopefully it opens up some other opportunities. And I, I think that's, that's going to be our best chance against this team. This is a good football team. I, I, again, we say this a lot. I, I might be a homer, but I, I think we win this game, but I don't think it's going to be as easy. Look, I know it's not going to be as easy as I suspected it was going to be before the season started. And I still don't think it's going to be as easy as I, I – I think this is going to be a tough-fought game. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Cajuns go in there and they, they, just, they just take it to them. I just think this team is really talented on defense. They've got a lot of weapons on offense, and they're not, they're not the same South Alabama team that came to Cajun Field last year. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it in a previous uh, podcast. They've got grad transfers and transfers all over this, this – this is – the coach came in, Cam Womack came in, and he said, I'm I'm going to win quickly. I'm going to get these transfers in and then build a program after that. But if he – I think what he did was he looked at his talent on paper and said, we're not a good football team. We need to be good now, and the only way to do that is to get transfers in here right now and then build this program from there. And I, 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 look, I, he's, he's – I heard a podcast uh, earlier. He's a little couple of interviews I've heard from him. He's a no-nonsense guy. He's not, you know, he's he's kind of similar to Billy in the fact that he's going to go in there and tell you, you know, this is, I'm not going to pump you up full of sunshine and tell you this. He's just basically going to say, we got to play found, sound fundamental football. And if we do that, we can win. Well, I'm not going to go into my interview with Cody Juno right now. For those that want to listen to it, it's, it's on the podcast. But that was one of the first questions that I asked Cody is that, uh, am I wrong to be a little nervous about this game? Because I do, I see the same thing you're saying there. I think this is going to be a tough win for the Cajuns. I do think the Cajuns come out on top. I think it's going to be a tough win, and I think it's going to be a good win for the fact that it is going to be a tough win, in my yeah. opinion. 
You know, I, I, I completely agree with you. This is a team that um, they, they, we have been bad on third downs all season long and they are very good at stopping yes. teams. And we're going to have to be successful on third down. They're holding teams to 19% on third down conversions, 19%. Again, Southern Miss and Alcorn, I, I, I you know, read into it what you want, but 19% is yeah. a, an amazing number for a defense. Well, and look, I, I know we don't I'll spend a lot of time talking about special teams, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, look, I've said this before. I didn't think at the beginning of the season that Kenneth Almaderas won the starting job as much as he had to be the guy because the guy behind him was struggling so bad. I changed my tune to tell people Kenneth Almaderas did not. He was, he's missed some field goals, but he's been very good for us. We have been blessed to have Kenneth Almaderas kicking field goals for us since he took over the starting job. He's out. He's out for the year. And we have to go back to Nate Schneider, who I I hope Nate's talented. There's no question. He didn't you don't go to get a scholarship to Indiana. We don't take a flyer on a kid unless somebody believes that he's a talented kicker. And we saw that he can make a 53 yard field goal. I don't know if something's in his head early in last season and he was struggling so mightily. I hope his head is right because we're going to need him at some point during the season. And I really don't know. I hope it's not this game, but we're going to need him to make a big kick in a big spot in a big game. And, and, and we know he can do it, but he's got to be successful on a regular basis, kicking field goals. I don't need you to be 10 for 10, but I need you to be better than four out of 10. Right. So I'm, I'm hoping that Nate is ready and, and, and look, it's not like we have a lot of other options and I hope he comes in here and he, he, he look, I want that first field goal he kicks to go straight through the uprights yeah. and get some confidence. It, it's funny the way you said it, the way you did, because I was going to segue into that saying we don't talk a lot about special teams, but uh, I agree with you totally on the kicker. I think part of Nate's problem last year, is he was trying to prove something that he didn't need to try to prove. Yeah. And there was, there was a little over overzealous there. So uh, hopefully now that he's been here a year, he's settled down a little bit. And I, I'm, I'm really hoping he does fine. I, I, have do. to look, I, I want him to, I, I like, I think you know, fans are going to be rooting for him. He, you know, just like he had his beautiful shining moment last year, right? Kicking that 53 yard field goal. He just needs to build on that and come in and kick some field goals and get some confidence. And look, special field goal kickers are all about, you know, momentum and confidence, right? Yeah. If if he if you don't have it, you're not going to make a lot of field goals. If you do, you could make a bunch. And I I think that's what Kenneth was living off of. He he made his first couple, and people were like, "Oh shit, we got a pretty good kicker," right? Yeah. And I think that's what we need out of Nate. Nobody's going to question Nate's talent. It's it's really just making sure he gets his confidence. Well, Dave, great segment tonight, as always. I appreciate your time. Uh, and one day we're going to get you off those girly beers and, and get you a, <laughs> uh, uh, a true strawberry ale. No, I'm joking. Yeah, no, no. I don't think you're ever going to get me to look. The closest I went was going with the pecan ale tonight. So, And I'm, I've am i been wanting to try that now for a couple of years. So 
Well, I uh, highly recommend it to everybody who's listening and uh, yourself. I think you should go out and get yourself a six pack of it. I, I'm going to do that tomorrow because if nothing else, if it if it tastes anything uh, like pecan and it gives me some uh, reminders of my mom, well, then, then it's well worth it. So that is that is well worth it. So absolutely. Well, well, thank you, Craig. This is always uh, a pleasure to do this, and uh, you know. We'll see. We'll see what happens this weekend, and uh, hopefully the Cajuns come out with a win, and uh, we get to uh, really have a good conversation about the next game, which I think a lot of people are excited about. Yeah, and we're gonna have to figure that schedule out here for we're talking here, is uh, because it's a a Tuesday night game. After that, we may have to uh, we may have to do some interviews and spread them out along the way here, or, or take a a couple days off on Monday and Tuesday, although I enjoy getting, we may have to do some reaction, uh, post-reaction for the Sunbelt Conference and then save our, our, our talk more about App State and Cajuns uh, for later on the week. Yep, yep. You let me know. We'll work something out. We always do. Yes. Well, Dave, as always, thank you so much. Uh, we will chat soon. Uh, we'll, we'll work out that schedule. Uh, Excited for this weekend. I think this is a great opportunity for uh, Coach Napier and the Cajuns to show what they can do. So this is not this is not your average South Alabama team. So you've been listening. We're talking tonight. Craig Malonso and Dave Amato. Thank you for listening. And uh, we will talk to you next week. This is our last interview of the week after it feels like 17 days straight of interviews. You, you save the best for last. Always, my brother. Always. <laughs> Uh...